Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast where Superman still stands for truth, justice, and the American way. This is episode 56. My name is Michael Bradley, and joining me is everyone's favorite semi-regular co-host, Charlie Niemeyer. <laughs> everyone's favorite one. Yeah. Hi, guys. This episode, we'll be looking at the seventh storyline from the Superman radio show. And this is actually the first time Charlie and I have recorded together since last year. Yeah, it's been a long time. I guess we were both on that episode of From Crisis to Crisis, but as far as this show goes, it's the first time we've recorded together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we did get to talk to each other much on the Crisis to Crisis. Yeah, because we were mostly talking about the death of Superman and, and whatnot. Yeah. But we don't really cover that here. <laughs> and this is actually the first time I've recorded anything for this show since last year. Because I did, through, through the magic of the internet, all the episodes that have been released so far were, re- were recorded last year, except oh. for episode 55, which um, um, I haven't recorded yet as of <gasps> when we're talking. So, <laughs> Oh, short notice, short notice, short yeah. notice. Yeah. Um, but unless Charlie has any other news he wants to share with us, we're going to take a quick break and then come back for the storyline. Um. I have no news. Okay. We're going back, guys. <laughs> See ya. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. Or soon the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You Earthlings can't change the way I can. That means I'm the most powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you, for I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatons, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak. Blind or hulk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain until it has been drained of all elemental life. So, speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. FFcast.libsyn. So this episode, we're looking at the seventh storyline from the radio show, which was six episodes long, episodes 34 through 39, 
and it ran April 29th through May 10th, 1940. Superman number 5, which we looked at last episode, came out the very day this story ended, and the daily and Sunday newspaper strips were running stories that will be featured on upcoming episodes. Also, according to Flights of Fantasy, Duke Duchovny resigned on May 9th from the the publicity firm that he'd been working at to work full-time for Superman, Inc., overseeing regional sponsorship for the show. And as I've talked about in some previous episodes, the show was expanding to a lot more markets at this time, too, so it's definitely a time of growth for the show. But anyway, our title is Airplane Disasters at Bridger Field. As our story opens today, Kent has returned from dealing with the Dinelli gang of racketeers, has taken up his routine duties in the office of the Daily Planet. Already a new and thrilling assignment lies just ahead. So far, Kent knows nothing about it. You find him at his desk, knocking out a story on his typewriter, while Jimmy Olsen, the planet's copy boy, hangs around in open admiration. As Clark is finishing up a story, Jimmy tells him about planes crashing at Bridger Field, and we learn that Jimmy wants to be a pilot when he grows up. After Clark sends him away so that he can finish his story, he's called into Perry White's office. There, Perry introduces him to Ed Hamlin of the National Air Service. They tell Clark about the fact that over the past two weeks, six state-of-the-art planes making test flights have crashed at Bridger Field, a small little known airfield in the southwest Rockies near the Mexico border. Since Hamlin is one of White's friends, he's offered Clark's services of being a newspaper reporter, I guess. He also learns that there have been no survivors in any of the crashes. Soon, Jimmy comes in with a telegram for Hamlin, telling him that there's been yet another accident. This news puts a rush on Hamlin's return trip, and Clark agrees to go with him in one hour. And what I'm guessing is several hours later, it's almost dawn, and they're almost at Bridger Field. At this point, Hamlin tells Clark that uh, that when they investigated the wreckages, the plane engines were completely missing, which is what Hamlin thinks – or which is what makes Hamlin think that these aren't accidents. Just then, something punches through the window of their plane. While they start looking around for what it could be, someone starts calling for Clark from the baggage compartment. Opening the door, they find that it's Jimmy who has stowed away and is pointing out to Clark that they're being followed by yet another plane and it's shooting at them. A few more bullets enter the plane. This time, one of them hits Hamlin, which causes the plane to spin out of control. Clark and Jimmy get get him out of his seat and Clark takes the controls. While he levels out the plane, more bullets are fired at them. Clark has Jimmy get the rifle from the back, and when he returns, he has Jimmy take the stick while he goes out onto the wing to shoot back at them. Instead, though, Clark switches to Superman and flies right into the other plane's propeller, knocking it out of the sky. As it heads down to the ground, he flies down after it, but notices that the plane he just came from is also spiraling down to the ground. Clark flies back to the plane, or actually Superman flies back to the plane, switches back to Clark, and... Jimmy tells him about the oil all over the front windshield, indicating that the, that the motor was hit. All they can do now is keep flying as far as they can before they run out of fuel. As our next episode begins, Clark struggles to land the plane, which is quickly losing altitude. Jimmy helps search for a place to land, while Hamlin... Well, they say Hamlin is both moaning and unconscious. I'm not sure how that works, but he's in pretty dire straits either way, having, you know, been shot. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> one of those unconscious moanings. Yeah, yeah. 
Finally, Jimmy sees some lights, and Clark realizes that it's a train and is able to safely land the plane a short distance from the tracks. After Jimmy uses a flashlight to flag down the train, Clark tells the train's brakeman, who we later learn is named Balto, about their forced landing. He explains that he's a reporter and that they're on their way to Bridger Field. He tells them about Hamlin's injuries, and since the train is conveniently headed to a hospital in Del Rio, they offer to give them a lift. And I assume this is Del Rio, Texas. They they never really say where Bridgerfield is, but it's obviously west of whatever city Superman calls home since they've not really called it anything yet. Um, but they later reference the desert, so I guess that could be Texas. I, I don't know. Geography in this show is really weird. But anyway, after Clark and Jimmy and Hamlin are aboard the train and it's on its way again... Balto slips into a soundproof compartment and places a call to Professor Hagen, the animal handler at Lawbeck Circus. He says the three are aboard the train, and Hagen says his men had followed them from back east and shot them down intentionally. Hagen is sparse on details, but says something big is about to go down, and Balto's job is to make sure Kent never arrives at Bridger Field. Hagen suggests showing Jimmy and Clark the animals aboard the train particularly a wild, feral gorilla, and reminds him to pay special attention to the door on the gorilla's cage. Later, Balto takes Clark and a very excited Jimmy back to see the animals as the train stops for water. Clark is leery about the gorilla getting out, but Balto assures them that not only is the gorilla tame, but that the cage is secure. Balto sends them into the car with the gorilla, but doesn't enter himself, saying he has another matter to attend to. As Clark and Jimmy admire the gorilla, he starts to get agitated and shoves the door of the cage open, charging at them. Clark and Jimmy start slowly backing out of the car, only to find the door locked. Clark then breaks a window and pushes Jimmy out before charging at the gorilla and taking him on himself. Clark easily handles the rampaging beast and puts him back in the cage, bolting the door behind them. With the gorilla secure, Clark looks around for Jimmy, but finds the train has once again started moving. Elsewhere, Balto calls Hagen and tells him what happened, including that Clark was able to get the gorilla back in the cage. Hagen is surprised, assuming Balto screwed up somehow. Balto then tells him Kent jumped off the train after Jimmy, and while that's not what Hagen wanted, it's good enough since Kent is now stranded in the middle of nowhere and unlikely to make it to Bridger Field. Hagen says big things are coming and tells Balto to hurry to Bridger Field for more news. All right, and when we open up the next episode, some time has passed. Clark and Jimmy have arrived at Bridgerfield after catching another freight train. Hamlin and Clark meet because up. There was Ham- no way for them to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were stranded, but they just waited for a train. Uh, Hamlin and Clark meet up in Hamlin's office while Jimmy goes to the circus in Del Rio. Clark believes that nothing that has happened. Uh, yeah, Clark believes that nothing that happened last episode was an accident. We also learned that the plane Superman brought down two episodes ago has completely disappeared. At this point, Hamlin gets a radiogram stating that the president of the National Air Service, a Mr. Fuller, is on his way to Bridger Field, and he will be there in about 15 minutes. Then a local news a – lo, nah, then a local weather forecast comes over the radio, warning of gale force winds. Not believing it could possibly be correct, Clark and Hamlin return to the discussion when Bailey, Hamlin's assistant, comes in to let Hamlin know of an approaching dust storm. They go outside to check it out and watch the other as the other planes are being taken under cover. 
At this point, they also see Fuller's plane coming in from the opposite direction, but for some reason, he isn't turning around. Fearing for the plane safety, fearing for the plane's safety, all they can do is watch while Hamlin sends Clark back inside for safety. They watch as the plane tries to turn around, but it was but it is suddenly covered in flame. While they try to take cover, we cut to Superman, who's using the dust storm as cover so he can fly up to the plane. He busts in the cabin, grabs Fuller unconscious, grabs Fuller's unconscious body, and leaves the plane before it crashes. We cut to Fuller regaining conscious, consciousness in Hamlin's office, and he gets to meet Clark, who is being credited with pulling Fuller from the plane wreckage. After thanking Clark for saving him, he announces that they will, or that he will stay at Bridger Field until they can figure out what is going on. He also reveals that on Thursday, which is about 20, or 48 hours away, a very distinguished visitor will be arriving, but he can't reveal who or what the visitor is. Hamlin protests, but Fuller insists, telling them that he has 48 hours to solve this plane crash business. Bailey then comes in again to tell Clark that Jimmy has returned from the circus and is asking to see him as soon as possible. After an extraordinarily long recap, our next episode picks up an hour after the end of, well, last episode, as Clark and Jimmy drive to Del Rio. Clark says he thinks the special visitor is not a person at all, but an experimental plane being brought to the airfield for testing. Jimmy tells Clark that that lines up with what he heard, and he relates that when he was at the circus, Balto tried to grab him. Jimmy ran and hid by a shack and overheard Professor Hagen, whom he recognized from being at the circus, and the circus strongman, a Russian named Frodo, talking about airplanes at Bridger Field. Did he have the ring? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> One ring to, to crash airplanes, I guess. Yeah, the golden ring who knows (laughs) Hagen said something big was probably going down that evening and that the final word was to come later apparently Hagen somehow found out about the experimental plane and is out to destroy it Frodo asks why but Hagen says they're being paid and and that's all they need to know Hagen then left the cabin for the hills and told Frodo, Frodo to stay at the circus to make sure nothing went wrong Clark deduces Hagen is responsible for the accidents but says they need proof once at the circus, they check out the shack, only to find it empty. However, Clark discovers a trap door to the cellar, which leads to a tunnel and into an underground cave. As Jimmy and Clark head into the cave, they overhear a radio broadcasting a message. Clark writes down the message because, even though it sounds like a simple weather report, Clark suspects it might be something more. Just then, they hear someone coming down the tunnel. Clark shoves Jimmy into a nearby closet while he braces himself, ready to take action as Superman if needed. As the visitor approaches, we find out it's the strongman Frodo, who demands to know why Clark is there. Frodo attacks, but Superman easily handles the strongman, tossing him into the wall and knocking him out. As Jimmy comes out of the closet, he's surprised that Clark was able to beat up the strongman, but Clark dismisses it, saying he got lucky because Frodo tripped. Fearing someone might have heard the ruckus, they need to get looking for clues. But Clark reveals that he has already found a clue in the message that was broadcast over the radio. All right. And as this episode begins, we actually seem to move back a couple minutes. Jimmy has now left his hiding place and is gazing at all at Fodor. Uh, Frodor? 
Yeah, Fro- Fodor on the floor. I couldn't tell what they were saying, so I've just been calling him Frodo because it's fun. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Frodo, Fodor, the Russian dude. Uh, and his gaze. Okay, so Jimmy has left his hiding place and is gazing at all at Frodo, Fodor, which makes him sound like a car on the floor. When he hears Clark call him to look at some to look at some papers. These papers contain the weather reports that we heard earlier. After some trial and error, they eventually learn that when you cross out every third word, they reveal messages. The latest report reveals that the surprise guest is an amazing new plane and that it's coming in at midnight, earlier than expected. Clark tells Jimmy to get back to Bridgerfield while he stays behind to look for more clues. He also tells Jimmy to have Hamlin check the hills around the field for Hagen, especially any cabins. Meanwhile, Fodor regains consciousness and radios to Hagen to update him on what's going on. Hagen gives him a plan to deal with Clark. Flying back down the tunnel, Superman sees Fodor is gone and then hears Hagen talking through a loudspeaker, telling him that he's in the next room. Rather than going out and entering through a door, Superman busts through the wall and is surprised to be face to face with two Bengal tigers. They try to jump the Man of Steel, but he stops them and knocks them around until they run out of the room in fear, apparently. When that happens, Fodor tries shooting at the hero, so Superman flies after him. Fodor reveals that Hagen is in a cabin, but doesn't know which one. After also revealing that Hagen has had this whole cave area wired so he can hear everything, Superman directly threatens Hagen and promises to stop him, then takes off towards Bridger Field. As our next episode begins, Hagen is in the cabin testing the teleflame machine. He's, so, he's aware the search party is coming and explains to his assistant the machine works by shooting out a beam that causes the metal of the plane to become white hot, eventually making it so hot that it completely evaporates. Nine minutes to go. Meanwhile, Hamlin and Jimmy make their way up the trail, trying to find the cabin and prepare to head into a particularly narrow part of the trail. Other search parties, including, as far as they know, Clark Kent, are on other trails on their way to search other cabins. Seven minutes to go. As they continue up the trail, they hear sounds of a rock slide. They try to retreat, but are stopped by boulders that have fallen on the trail and narrowly escape more rocks that are coming down. One moosh later, and Superman streaks by. Seeing their predicament, Superman plants himself on the trail and diverts the slide. With Jimmy and Hamlin saved, Superman then sets his sights on Hagen and flies towards the cabin. Two minutes to go. Back in the cabin, Hagen and his assistant Carl watch for the plane. Finally, they see it making its approach and prepare to fire the machine. Carl then hears a flying noise above them and soon realizes that it's Superman. The Man of Steel drops into the cabin and orders them to turn off the machine. But when they refuse, Superman leaps into action, destroying the machine and causing the cabin to collapse. Back on the trail, Jimmy and Hamlin continue towards the cabin and spot the plane as it circles and eventually makes a safe landing. Just then, Clark meets Jimmy and Hamlin on the trail and tells them that he came that he just came from the cabin. After Hamlin inquires about Hagen and the machine, Clark says something must have gone wrong. Instead of the machine hitting the plane, it hit Hagen and then destroyed the cabin. With the villain gone and no one feeling it necessary to ask questions, Clark, Jimmy, and Hagen head back down the trail to see the experimental ship and so Clark can file the story. The end. So when you say with the villain gone... And no one's going to ask questions. Clark, Jimmy, you meant Hamlin goes with them, right? Yes. Because Hank had just died. Okay, I was just yeah. checking. That, okay, yeah, yeah. Too many names in this episode that sound the same. Very and, close, and yeah. They were. I think the writers themselves were getting confused, as I'll talk about in my notes later. But 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Our cast this step, this storyline, we've got Bud Collier, of course, as Superman Clark Kent. Per Flights of Fantasy, Jackie Kelk debuts as Jimmy Olsen in this storyline. Kelk will be the regular voice of the character, but according to the book, didn't play the character in the last batch of episodes, as I mentioned in episode 54. Really? It sounded about the same. Yeah, I can't really tell if it's the same actor or not. I mean, at times it sounds like the same guy, but other times not. Um, if I absolutely had to make a guess, I'd say it sounds different enough that it could be a different actor, but I'm not completely confident on that. Hmm. And two, the the quality of these episodes makes it harder to tell the voices yeah. of people compared to the yeah. first, you know, six storylines we looked at. But that that's true. Five. It makes it everyone does sound a little different too. So, yeah. but we've also got Julian Noah as Perry White and Professor Hagen. I'm not sure who did the voice of Ed Hamlin, but he really wasn't that great of an actor because the. The shooting scene in episode 34 was pretty terrible. <laughs> and uh, no Lois Lane in this arc. And I think we may have seen the last of Lois Lane for a few storylines. When she returns, I think that's going to be when Joan Alexander takes over the role. Uh, might be wrong uh, on that, but I don't think so. Interesting. That was part of one of my little notes at the end. Oh, oh okay. Well. <laughs> Sorry? No. No, I don't know. I was just notice, noting the lack of her and wondering if it had if it was a conscious effort to promote Jimmy or if it was because of actress availability or if this is the point where they were recasting, trying to find someone that could be Lois on a more permanent basis. Could be, yeah. But that's just the question, so. 
or sort of. If Jones could be a combination of all three of those, yeah. I, exactly. I just don't know. But we start out with episode 34, and I, I liked seeing that they referenced the last storyline again. I, I don't know what it is, but I really, really like it when they do that. They don't necessarily have to because each storyline stands on its own, but I kind of like them giving a nod back to the previous storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like that in the intros, they, they've taken to saying something like, you know, Superman and his character of Clark Kent. I, I really like the phrasing on that for some reason because it plainly conveys that, you know, what they established in the second episode, that Clark Kent is clearly the made-up persona here, not the other way around. Right. I also noticed, and I don't remember if they did this before, but they're doing a lot more like the opening of the Adventures of Superman TV show. Yeah. Where every time they start a new sentence, it's Superman who can change the course of Mighty Rivers. Or it's yeah. Superman who can bend – and they actually use the words Ben Steele and his bare hands. Did they use that before? Um, I don't remember that exact phrase. I mean I'd, maybe a little different. but I would have to go back and re-listen, but I don't think they've used that exact phrasing before now. They've said something similar. Yeah, similar, like maybe rend steel in his mighty hands. Yeah, or something. This yeah. was Ben Steel in his bare hands. This cool. was the popular one. I noticed that. But yeah, Good that catch. was kind of all. Oh, thank you. All that was missing was a, uh, you know, the background music. <laughs> right. Da, 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 da. Although I'm, I'm I'm humming the one from the cart from the animated shorts and not the Adventures of Superman. So never mind. Yeah, they're very similar anyway. Yeah. Um, and I realize it's only there to convey information about the plane crashes before Clark goes into Perry's office, but it makes sense to me that Jimmy would be interested in airplanes because it seems like a very 14-year-old boy thing. Oh, yeah, especially back then. Oh, yeah, 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 without it was TV. A, and... You don't have TV radios there, obviously, but I'm, I'm sure they had a bunch of adventure books involving you know, pilots and stuff. Oh, definitely, right. And you're right in, right in between the... Both world wars, so yeah, I would say that. Especially, that's an exciting time because the planes were so new. You had Amelia Earhart and mm-hmm. um, Charles Lindbergh and all those. So yeah, that would make perfect sense. Right, and with World War Two, you know, coming into prominence, there's a lot of aviator, you know, people going into the military to fly airplanes overseas and, and that kind of thing too. So. Exactly. But then we get to. I guess it's not really the first confusion, but we introduce Ed Hamlin. And my question was, is he any relation to Jay Hamlin that they introduced a few episodes ago? The, the paper's assistant editor. Good point. So hmm. just keep that in mind when we get to later episodes. Um, <laughs> but I liked that we uh, see Clark using his piloting skills again, which is a reference back to the Yellow Mask storyline. Yes. Yeah, it's nice to see stuff like that come back. Yeah, yeah. I do have to point out though, because um, we're getting right about to the note. One of the notes, I, well, the note I have for this one, um, and maybe my grammar's off, but when they when they find that Jimmy's on the plane, he says that he sneaked on board, and I'm pre- pretty sure that the proper use would be snuck on board. So I'm wondering if the writer messed <laughs> up, or if they're just trying to say, well, he's 14, so he's not supposed to know how to talk right, or something. But he's like, You're well, asking I asking the wrong board. guy about grammar. I can tell you that much. <laughs> but um, that does that does actually, and I'll go ahead and do it now. I had a note later when Jimmy is reading the note in episode thirty-eight. He's huh? reading it very slowly, and I wondered if that was intentional 
as if Jimmy is a kid without a lot of schooling because that was very commonplace in the 40s or right. if they were just reading that slow because it was a fairly important piece of information. Hmm. It's a good point. But you could be right. Maybe they're trying to uh, put forth the idea that Jimmy isn't very educated. Yeah. Well, let's see, 14. Which, that would be starting of high school. And depending on the time, like literally today, my wife had to interview someone that would have been a, probably near Jimmy's age at about this time. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, of course, he worked on a farm, but his thing was uh, he after eighth grade, he quit school to work on the farm. Well, yeah. And he's, my- so it's possible he's not even in school right now, too. That's how it was with my grandma. I mean, she was born in 1920, so she's a little older than Jimmy would be here, but um, – or she she was a little older when Jimmy would be here, but but she uh, she didn't go past eighth grade, and she mm-hmm. had five siblings, and only one of them went to high school, so that was wow. very commonplace back then. Yeah, yeah. So and so it's really possible that he's just not very well read yet. Yeah, hmm. interesting things um, you pick up just from without them actually saying it. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. But then we then they they start flying towards Bridger Field and they get fired on and and they don't seem too at all upset that Hamlin got shot. Yeah, they're they're more concerned with not losing the plane at this point. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Hamlin's shot. All right, get him out of the seat. We got to fly this thing. Per the dialogue later in in this episode, um, apparently he's only wounded and not dead. But then they say he's unconscious, and they don't say it, but he's probably bleeding pretty badly. And they just yeah. shove him out of the way. They don't worry about treating him or anything. And they just land the plane. And well, guys were tougher back then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe at the high altitude, it, it's it's better. I don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a good point, though. He he could have just bled out right there on the floor of the plane, and yeah, <laughs> they didn't do a darn thing for him. Now, now that you mention it. Yeah. Uh, but then they. As they're getting shot on, uh, Clark tells Jimmy to take over the, 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 the plane so that he can do the other thing. And I'm listening along here, and I'm thinking, okay, we have a teenage Jimmy Olsen with no piloting experience flying an airplane while Clark Kent climbs out on the wing of the airplane with a shotgun. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, what the heck am I listening to here? Well, see, the thing that got me on that, too, was you would think the idea of Clark going out on the wing with a shotgun would have – gotten some kind of response from Jimmy like are you insane well, you would think but he so. says nothing yeah. he's just like okay I'll fly the plane and actually I don't know how well it works out but I have seen a similar thing on like TV shows and movies before where as long as Jimmy can hold it steady he's just flying he's not having to worry about landing and stuff if he can hold it steady and everything he's probably okay but still Clark the idea I mean obviously Clark doesn't stay on the wing, but I can't imagine any normal person trying to sit on the wing either. I would imagine they'd try to, you know, move maybe, move yeah. the plane. It, it just <laughs> seems so surreal to see or to to hear Clark Kent with a shotgun <laughs> climbing out of the wing of an airplane. It just, I know, he, um, I know that was just his cover so that he could get out there as Superman, but still, it was just very he wouldn't surreal. do that. He wouldn't do that in the comics. No. No, no, he'd, he'd, he'd let Lois do that. <laughs> oh. 
Well, he if Lois had been there, that she would have yelled at Clark, saying that he deliberately flew up there so they get shot at. Yes, you, I can't believe you deliberately flew here so we get shot at. Now look what's going on. Now, you, now our pilot's dead, and you're trying to fly the. Oh, this, yeah. And then Clark uses a gun to shoot her. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and there's the end of, of the story. Bum, that's, bum, bum. that's the last thing I had for that episode. Did you have anything else on the first? Uh, that one. No, well, yeah, I will point this out. Um, it's weird. Okay, we know by this point because Ham- Hamlin has revealed that on all the planes that have crashed before, uh, the the engines have disappeared. Right. We later find out why. But here we have that the engine is there and is pouring oil onto the windshield. But Clark, I think Clark mentions it, and I think the narrator mentions, like the engine's gone, like missing. If you listen to it a couple times, it's like, well, with a missing engine, they can't fly the plane. Too. I'm like, wait a minute. The engine's not missing. Can you not hear it going? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just meant it was missing out. Like, uh, Yeah. It, know, like it was missing out on the party. Misfiring or. Yeah, that, that yeah. could be it. But the way, the way they had just mentioned about the whole engine's missing thing. And then here it's like, well, the min- engine's missing. We're going to have to do something. And it's like the engine's still there. <laughs> If there was no engine, it would not be shooting wa- uh, oil at the windshield. Right. Yeah. It would also not be hearing the <laughs> – you'd be hearing – Yeah. So th- – and that's my sound effects for the day. Thank you. And uh, I, also, <laughs> I also thought um, – so I guess Superman just left the two pilots in their plane to crash to the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they don't oh, mention yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of typical for this era of Superman, anyway. So it's that. That's it's part very typical. Yeah, yeah. It's shocking, but it's just they don't even mention it. <laughs> you don't get another mention of it actually until what two episodes from now? So. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But starting with episode thirty-five, isn't it convenient that Clark just happened to land the plane right by a train that was just happened to be carrying the men responsible for the shooting, <laughs> and that just happened to be going where they were going? Yeah, what a shock! <sighs> that that's one of the biggest, well, not the biggest <laughs> plot hole, but one of the, one of the major plot holes in the story. I never. It, it's amazing they make it sound like the the terrain there is like completely unable to land anywhere except for Bridger Field, but they find enough room next to a train track. Right, right next to the train tracks. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then the the other the only other note I had was towards the end, and I'm thinking, is this what a gorilla sounds like? Well, that's Jojo, Jimmy. He's certainly big enough, boy. And how? All right, now Jojo. All right, it's only us, Mr. Kent. He's getting madder all the time. You don't suppose he can get out, do you? I hope not, Jimmy. He may be as tame as that fellow said, but he might not know us for friends. Mr. Kent, the door, the cage door. Something's going wrong. The door swung open. What do we do? What do we do? He's getting ready to spring. Quiet, Jimmy. Edge back toward the door. Don't make any sudden move. He isn't doing anything so far. He's making up his mind. I'll stay where I am. Mr. Kent, the door. It won't open. It's locked. Locked? It can't be shaken. I tell you, it is. Look out, he's coming. Jimmy, make for the window. Jump right through. I'll hold him back. Quick. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Quick, I'll help you. I'll break the glass. There. Out you go. 
Now then. Come ahead, Jojo. I don't know what's back of this. That door didn't go down by chance, but we can't stop for that now. See what happens when a gorilla beats a Superman. Hey, Jojo. Sorry about this. I know you're just fooling, but it's mighty rough for anybody else. Don't bite. I'll have to pin your ears back. <laughs> you can't do a thing to me, Jojo. Well, it's better than our fake guy, our fake dogs from before. Okay, yes, yes, I, I will give you that. Uh, but for all their well-done sound effects in this show, they're not really great with the animal sounds. No, you'd think they'd stop doing that, but... Yeah. Oh, they did pretty good with the tigers later on. The tigers. The Bengal tigers. Oh, yeah, right, 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 yeah. Those are actually, those actually sound like tigers instead of some guy imitating one, but... Yeah. Still. Yeah. But then we have Superman fighting a gorilla, which was... <laughs> That's classic, man. Classic. Both funny and classic and, and kind of weird all at the same time, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a TF. I like that. That's funny. That's... <laughs> uh, so what do you have on this one? Well, this, this episode kind of seemed like filler to me. I mean, yes, it, it a couple things happened, but for the most part, it just seems like an episode, like they needed an, ep, an, an extra show to extend it to the six episodes. Uh, I mean, Balto, you don't really see anymore after this episode. He just disappears. Um, they take the train, but they end up giving, getting to Bridger Field, or they get left on the tracks, but end up taking a freight to Bridger Field anyway, so that didn't really stop them. Uh... All it was was it just seemed like an extra added excuse to ha- have Superman fight a gorilla or something. I don't know. Just they never uh, in that episode they never got Hamlin to the hospital. They never actually reached Del right. Rio. So yeah, it just seemed like a filler. It's almost like a filler episode. I'm not saying it's a bad episode. It's just it seemed unnecessary to the rest of the story. It didn't even deal with planes at all. No, it's just it's. I don't know if I would call it filler, but it, it, it is one of those that's just kind of less integral to the to the overall plot than the rest. I mean, because it, it does take take them from the plane crash to Del Rio, or well, then I guess they don't even get to Del Rio. You're right. No. Hmm. And see, you could totally have it be you could totally totally take out this episode, and because they don't even know about Hagen or anything in this episode, we learn about him, but they don't right. know about. So you could totally take this episode out, have them land at the beginning of the following episode at the tracks, have take this freight into town, drop Hamlin off at the hospital, and then go to Bridgerfield, and then some time has passed, and Jimmy's at the circus. But it also was weird that Jimmy, although it makes sense later on, but it's kind of weird that Jimmy decided he wanted to go to the – well, that's next episode. <laughs> let's get to 36. Let's finish 35 before I get into the next episode. Oh, well, I'm done with 35. We can go on to 36. Okay. Um, so go ahead well, with your yeah. Uh well it's uh Jimmy uh goes to the circus after they've just been on a train that they got attacked and basically had to jump off of. And I would think that Clark has probably mentioned that he you know they were probably atta- uh, th- that gorilla attacked them on purpose or something. So it just was kind of weird that Jimmy would decide he wanted to go to the circus. Then again, since yeah. he found out that stuff, he could have been going to try to find out information. They never explained that, though. Oh, it sounds like he just went to the circus because that, that's what Clark tells Hamlin. That he just went to the circus. Exactly. To, to hang out, you know. Yeah, and it just seemed kind of weird. Let's go see the circus that just tried to kill us. Right. <laughs> but we – at the beginning of, of episode 36 here, Clark is talking to Hamlin. 
Now, is this the same Hamlin that was just shot <laughs> two episodes ago? Well, some time has passed. Right. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> and he doesn't understand how the how uh, Clark and Jimmy got to Bridger Field. Like, it's like Hamlin's been there the whole time. Right. So I, maybe this is Jay. Well, <laughs> now in episode 37, remember that. We'll come back to 30. We'll, we'll come back to this when we get to 37, actually. Okay. It just okay. struck me that he, here he is. He's talking to Hamlin and then. And they don't give a first name, so they expect you to remember that it's Ed. Yeah, in this episode, they don't give a first name, right. But in the first episode, they called him Ed Hamlin. Yes, eventually. Okay, yeah. But yeah, that was... Sounds the same guy. Yeah. So yeah, it's totally weird. But anyway, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, I just love how he blows off the radio announcer, and then it turns out that the, the, that the radio announcer was right. He said gales, not dust storms. It's like... Well, moron, gales cause dust storms. <laughs> yeah, I was noticing that too. I was like, well, yeah. Just because he doesn't say we have dust storm coming, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, there's nothing. Hello. Because if you're in an area where dust storms happen, they're going to happen when you have strong winds. So. Uh-huh. It- <laughs> uh. But we did get a somewhat dramatic scene with with the dust storm and Superman flying out to rescue the plane. I, given what they had to work with, you know, it, I think it could have been more. I, I still don't think they've topped the what was it, the fire in the Sterling Tower uh-huh. from one of the earliest episodes. But it was a better uh, action scene than, than some we get in the the show. Yeah, and it, uh, once again, Fuller uh, uh, Loses consciousness just as Superman gets in there, mm-hmm. and I, I think I thought it was interesting that Superman saves him. They get out of the plane before it crashes, but the story is that Clark pulled him from the wreckage. Right. So yeah, um, I did note though that after all that, we get Fuller saying that they're going to have a visitor. Can't tell you who or what. Which leads me to believe it probably would be a what instead of a who. But can't say who or what. Well, it's interesting you would say that because I had a note later about how Clark would jump to the conclusion that it wasn't a person. But go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, may, it makes no sense that they that after six, actually seven by this point because of the other one that happened while Hamlin was in Metropolis, seven accidents in two weeks. It makes no sense that any – that they would have the president of the National Air Service, especially since he had problems landing because apparently the president is too stupid to fly away from a dust storm. But <laughs> So they're going to have this super-duper visitor come in two days to Bridger Field, home of you know ac- airplane accident capital of the world at this point. Right. Uh, and – then he tells Hamlin that it's his responsibility to solve this within the next 48 hours. But he's going to stay there until it's all figured out. So, one, he's putting all the blame on Hamlin. And I don't know where you would he would even start. He has no clues to go from as far as trying to figure this out. And apparently the police haven't been mentioned, so I don't know if they're even helping. Uh, so I don't know how – I mean, granted, I know Hamlin runs the place, but – 
I don't know how they can how this Fuller guy can go there and just expect and tell Hamlin you have two days to solve this. Right. Yeah. It's not his responsibility to solve this. If anything, it would be the police. Clark can help. Uh, maybe <laughs> Fuller can should do anything be. because he's a reporter. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, <sighs> and he's got glasses, but um, yeah, and then. Yeah, it just seemed a little weird. I mean, it also makes sense that they wouldn't either delay or move this visitor coming. Yeah. Because... <laughs> it's a major security issue, so... Yes, and especially what we, when we find out what it is that's coming, or who it is, whatever. Excuse me. Well, they know. We've gone through the whole thing. Once you find out it's a super-duper plane... Right. They would not be sending it to a place where things have been crashing. They send it to some other... I don't know how many little airports there are around the country, even back then. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. This that was. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that part at all. Um, but did you have anything else for thirty six? Not for thirty six. Okay, we're making it through this storyline pretty fast. Yeah. But then we get to thirty seven, <laughs> which is dun, dun, dun. okay. So in thirty seven, towards the beginning of the episode, they say the manager of the airport is Jay Hamlin. So apparently, Ed Hamlin is still in the hospital. Maybe they should have clarified that, that it was a different yeah. Hamlin. Because if you missed that first episode, you wouldn't know it was a different guy. Right. But then Jay Hamlin is the assistant editor of the planet. So is this a second Jay Hamlin? Or did the writers just get confused and this is actually supposed to be Ed Hamlin? And if so, how did he get better so fast? <laughs> So I'm just You bring up a good point. I totally missed the Jay Hamlin part here. I'm just very confused at this point. I mean (laughs) if this isn't Ed, we never find out what happened to him. So I'm assuming that either A, the writers just screwed up the name, or B, gunshot wounds heal very quickly. Well, they are near Mexico, so they probably got some different kind of medical service. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But then making things worse in the final episode, when Jimmy and Hamlin are riding up the trails, Superman flies overhead and says, Ah, it's Jimmy and Ed Hamlin. <laughs> so apparently gunshot wounds just heal very quickly. Yeah, it sounds like they got the names confused. And then, yeah, they heal quickly. Just didn't care that he got shot? <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe that some time has passed is like... A couple weeks. A couple weeks or a month, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you can – depending on what kind of a wound it is, sometimes you can get around. I mean they didn't mention it. He could have like a cast or something going and you can get around. Uh, well, not that I've ever had to deal with a gunshot wound, but if you watch TV and stuff, a lot of those shows – granted, it's probably Hollywood. But you know, a lot of those – like the cop shows or the private investigator shows or something, the guy will get shot. He'll be in the hospital, get fixed up, and if it's only a flesh wound, he might have a cast on, but for the most part, he's back out and doing his thing just a few minutes later in the episode. So it's possible. Yeah, I guess. If you if you just got winged or something, I guess it would be yeah. possible. But They never said where he got – I mean if, if he got shot in the head or the heart or the gut or something. He'd be dead. That could, right. Yeah, that that'd be a problem. But if he got winged on the shoulder or something, then it, it's possible. Yeah. But it uh, – yeah, they definitely got confused with the names. <laughs> and by the way, that is the longest single note I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Because that's basically one huge note that you wrote for that. 
That's awesome. Well, I, I I did my notes for this set of episodes a little different. I did them as I was listening to the thing, okay. to the episodes. I mean, like, as I was going through them the first time, I was just making notes, and that's why a lot of them are like, what the hell am I listening to, you know? <laughs> WTF, man. But then we get to, I guess we've already talked about it, but Clark thinks that the visitor is a person, or is not a person, but a, an experimental plane. And I don't know how he... I had a note that I didn't know how he jumped to that conclusion because there was nothing to indicate that, but it sounds like you kind of came to the same conclusion, so... Well, see, here's the thing, though. I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily jump to it. I think part of it was because... Well, see, he he specifically says what or who. Or who, he specifically says, but he can't tell you who or what. Okay. It doesn't... Now, that doesn't necessarily mean to me it's a plane. It could be the president of the United States in a car. It could be, you know, Charles Lindbergh in a plane. It could be, well, not, not someone in a boat, but you know what I'm saying? It doesn't necessarily need to be an experimental super duper plane. It could be a bird. Some, yeah. It could be a bird in a, <laughs> it could be a bird in a plane, a giant bird in a small plane. It, right. it, it could easily be that. <laughs> and, uh, I just got what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it, it is a conclusion, a weird conclusion to jump from, to jump to, considering they don't know. But yeah, it, it did seem kind of odd that Fuller would say that he can't tell you who or what. Okay, but I still right. would I'll, especially I'll give them a pass on that one then. Yeah, but like I said, I can't. I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion that it would be an experimental plane. I would think, if, yeah. especially considering this, if they were going to bring in another experimental plane after they've had six fall down out of the sky, <laughs> that they'd probably mention it's another experimental plane. We need to be, you know, pay extra special care to this. Right. Yeah, yeah that's not really helping. Security is really messed up on this. <laughs> Security and geography, not their strong point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, this is a, a minor complaint. Not necessarily just for this episode, but overall. But I kind of wish they had a sound cue or, or some kind of other audio uh, cue is the best word I can think of that they were going into a flashback. It's not absolutely necessary if you're listening and, and really following along, but I think it would just lessen the confusion that they're they're switching or that they're not just switching from one scene to another. Yeah, I, it doesn't the flat. <laughs> It would help because that's the same thing. It's the same way that they cut to, you know, some time has passed. You know, so when they're cutting to the future, they do the same thing fade out, fade in. Right. But yeah, they should do like Wayne's World. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) Did you do the hand thing too? Because I just totally did the hand thing. You have to do the hand thing if you do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can't not do it. And then, of course, it's not video, so you all are lucky that you didn't see that because that was. Yeah. Well, if the Especially. next one is a video podcast, they can see all our. <laughs> oh, let's not. Hand you still have? You still want to have an audience after that? I don't know if that's a good idea. <sighs> yeah. I don't know about you. I've totally got a face for radio. <laughs> I don't have. A, I don't have a face at all. I'll make the question. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was. I thought that was just a costume you're wearing on your Facebook page, but I guess it really is. Yeah. Nope. Sex on me. <laughs> Um, but again, we have an, a major uh, coincidence in, in that they were very lucky that Jimmy just happened to go to the circus and that he just happened to overhear the bad guys laying out their entire plan in almost painstaking detail. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, they've been getting very lucky the last couple episodes. Yeah. Not the not for a children's show kind of way. And see that when Jimmy's telling his story, that tells me that he wasn't going for information. He was just going for because it was a circus because he said he went to go see the animal show, which is where he recognized Hamlin. Not Hamlin, Hagen. Oh, uh, okay. Because he saw Hagen Hagen was the animal trainer. So he saw Hagen at the, the animal show and then after Balto tried to grab him, he heard Balto and, and Fordo or Frodo, whatever, talking about <laughs> the the airplanes. Which is okay. that's how he recognized who Hagen was. So So wait a minute, did they end up meeting Hagen on the pl- on the when they were on the train? No, Hagen wasn't on the train. Okay. Balto was on the train. That's right, but they, Balto talked to Hamlin on a radio on the train. Right. He That's right. He got into the soundproof compartment and called, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm back. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes, it was very when, – when you heard Fo, Fodor, Frodo, Fordor, uh-huh. which makes him sound like – I, I want to say Fordor sedan. But anyway, so when you heard him talking, he, to me he either sounded – at first – it sounded like Jackson Beck to me, but the yeah, more I heard Jackson it, Beck. Jackson Beck. Yeah. No, Jackson hasn't joined the show yet. Well, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if it was either early him before he became a regular, or if it was just like Kino's voice actor coming back. Because it also eventually later on it sounded like him. So I don't know Arthur if Vinton. maybe it's him. Yeah. So I'm thinking it was probably him. Yeah, it was probably Arthur Vinton. Yeah, because he has he's been in several episodes until now, not just Kino. So. Well, yeah, I just couldn't think of the names of the other characters, and okay, Kino right. was the one that popped in the most. But yeah, he was also all the, the all the voices kind of blend together, <laughs> especially when all of them are done by the same guy. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it does totally sounded like uh, Jackson Beck. Uh, it sounded a lot. It reminded me a lot of some of those uh, weird Popeye cartoons where you get it's supposed to be Bluto, but they're on some in some fantasy thing or something, so it's got a funny <laughs> accent. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's what this sounded like. It just it sounded like Bluto with an accent. Mm-hmm. Speaking of voices, though, that leads nice into my final note for this episode, and that I was again very impressed with Bud Collier here because he demonstrated the ability to speak both in quiet tones, you know, like like whispering in both voices. I mean, it's hard enough to change your voice like he does for Superman and Clark Kent, but to mm-hmm. be able to speak quietly in both voices is even more of a skill. So I was kind of impressed with that. This, this Bud Collier could do would, – would be probably one of the most famous voice actors today even if he was like a, a modern guy. Yeah. But yeah, if he was doing this – because he could do really – I mean yeah, because he's got a real wide range of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, voices and stuff, yeah. One of these days I'm going to track down some of the other radio work he did and listen to it because I don't think I've heard too much of it. Yeah, I was kind of wonder if if you had done that because um, it'd be interesting to see if he sounds more like Superman or Clark or in the middle or what kind of voice he sounds like when he's not portraying one of these two. Yeah, yeah. Because I've never heard him outside of a Superman show or cartoon or audio drama. He was on a game show. Oh, okay. I'll find that one. Yeah, he was on a game show called Winner Takes All. He hosted that from... It says from 1948 to 1969. That was a long time, though. Yeah. Well, it would make sense, I think, because that, by that point, that was in between. He died in 69, didn't he? Yes. I think that Oh, and fits. He, 
Okay, and he also hosted To Tell the Truth, which was another TV game show. Okay. But that was in the late 50s, and he hosted... Wow, he was big on the game shows. Looks like a uh, game show called Beat the Clock in the early 50s. But that was, you know, that was a ways after Superman, so in people in people's voices deepen, so that might not give you too good of an idea, but... Um, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. But one of these days I will track down some of the other stuff he did. Because he was definitely still very good at doing this in the 60s when he was on the Filmation Superman mm-hmm. cartoons. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but moving on to episode 30 Are you done with 37? Yes okay. Moving on to episode 38 uh, Let's say we talked about Jimmy You know, not having a lot of schooling I, I liked that Clark figured out That the weather reports were in fact Code I mean, he, he figured out a clue And it didn't require Leaping conclusions in a single bound Without any evidence I mean, I, I guess it, it is a kind of a leap in logic To think that a weather report is code But well, it, it it actually kind of makes sense, and, and I like that they actually did a trial and error thing where they're like, all right, try taking out every other word. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right, try every third word, and that makes sense. So it's it's better that it wasn't just like, and look, if you do this, it works perfect. You right. Know? Uh, the, I, when you were doing your synopsis, I thought of it. It had been cool if they could have worked in some way to use the Superman of America code for the message. <laughs> that would have been awesome. They would have had to change it from being a weather report or something, but – that that been cool. It'd been a nice little bit of, you know, synergy yeah, with the need, comic books. What we need is one of these decoders set to Saturn. Okay, Club, go. Yeah, code Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> that probably would have been tough to do though, with it being in a new universe where Superman's real. But. Yeah, and it would just been a, a random jumble of letters. Mm-hmm. That's how those are. But okay, and we have another. St- moment of stupid Superman here as he Clark takes Jimmy away and then flies back as Superman to confront uh, Fordor. Fo- what is his name? This is driving me crazy. The, I believe in the show they call him Fordor. Fordor. Okay. Uh-huh. To confront the guy. And and he was surprised to find him gone. And I'm like, he was unconscious, not dead. So just like throwing giants into trees, they're not going to stay there if they're not dead. <laughs> People do come back to consciousness eventually. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I missed my note. I apologize. But uh, going back to what we were saying about the weather reports, it is a really good thing that Hagen and company are don't clean up after themselves. Because if they had just thrown away those messages after they had read them, they'd have <laughs> no idea what was what they would not. Clark and Jimmy would have no idea what was going on. Right. Well, they didn't think anyone would find their secret underground yeah. cave. Exactly, but yeah, it's interesting. But then we we wrap up with Superman fighting a tiger. Which, two, oh, two tigers. Okay, which I thought was very cool. But I had a note that the tiger sound just like gorillas. <laughs> yeah, and he just lets them go. Where are they going to go in a cave? Down the tunnel. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he had to go down the tunnel too. He flew a lot in this without actually flying, because he was in the he. Well, I guess he was flying. He flew. Superman flew a lot in the cave. Yeah. From after dropping off Jimmy, he's making the noise on his way to go find Frodo. Frodo. Now I'm going to say Frodo and you're going to get four door. There we go. Yeah. But, uh, (sighs) yeah, he flew. It was just kind of weird. And then he flew after four door when, uh, at the end when four door was shooting at him. I'm wondering though, if he was still in costume or not, because they're still referring to him like, like it's still Kent. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things where you don't really know if he's switching to to his costume or not. Yeah, and if he would even bother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then in episode thirty nine, we have Jimmy and Hamlin, either Jay or Ed. I don't know. <laughs> Riding up the trail on mules, and I'm thinking, man, this arc is just full of animals. Thankfully, though, the the mules did sound like mules and not like gorillas or dogs. Yes, yes. Air quote Yeehaw. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we get to the rock slide, which just leads to me even more confusion because Hagen tells Jimmy to to get behind the mule when the rock slide is coming down. And uh-huh. I don't know how that would pr- protect you from a rock slide. I mean, wouldn't th- the slide just knock the mule over on top of you? Uh, yeah. Or kill the mule? <laughs> or yeah, or you then you would be smushed under a rock and a mule. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure what Superman did to divert the rock slide, because the 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 show isn't clear about it. The narration and Superman's dialogue isn't clear because he said it was going over their heads. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not sure what caused the rock slide to begin with. I mean, did, did Hagen or one of his flunkies cause it, or was it did, just a big coincidence? They didn't really say, did they? No. It just kind of happened. Yes. It was just all very weird. But but then we get to the end of the episode, where Superman kills two people. And granted, <laughs> maybe he didn't mean to, but he killed them. Mm-hmm. And then he lies through his teeth about it, because something didn't go wrong with the machine. It didn't backfire like he told Hamlin and Jimmy. Superman destroyed the machine, and it exploded, causing the entire cabin to collapse. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> so he, he. So what? That's what two more people he kills. Yeah. So that's at least four in this arc. Yes, and I would say even more than the the airplane pilots from earlier. This is definitely on Superman's hands. Because yes. he destroyed the freaking machine, and it exploded. <laughs> right there in front of them. They died right in front of them. Yeah. On the, on the plus side, though, it's a good thing Hagen died, because he, he, he should know the Clark Kent Superman secret. <laughs> yes, yes, he so, should. Since the cave was wired and Superman crush, uh, rushing through a wall, yeah. But, yeah, that's – yeah. I don't know. This this whole storyline just had a lot of problems. Um, really? Did they ever? Ex- <laughs> did they ever explain what Hagen was after? Why he was no, causing he was, all these crashes? And he was being paid to. That's all that mattered. Okay, I'm glad I didn't miss that. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of convenient things happening. So that means the real bad guys of the story are still at large. Exactly. Maybe it'll be referenced next storyline like they did with the wolf and the yellow mask. Now, I'm trying to think, and it takes me a while, so I'm trying not to hurt myself. But that actually reminds me of, I think it was the two audition episodes that they did with the shark. Okay. Um, I believe that those guys were trying to blow the shark and his buddy were trying to blow up that sub. And I think that when they when he when the his henchman asked who was in charge of this, he said they pay us money. Don't you mind? You know they never explain. So maybe it's the same people. Maybe it's the same guy. Yeah. See. Maybe it's the ultra humanite. No. It's there you not, go. It's not the ultra humanite. No, no, not at the radio show. But <sighs> yes. Yeah, so, so 
and it makes sense, you know, if you, if that way they can have this mysterious person be behind a lot of stuff. Hmm. But I could see them doing that today, not back then when it was like after the six episodes, they kind of just kind of end and right. go into another completely different story. Right. I mean, maybe maybe it will be referenced in a future storyline. I don't know. It could I mean, be. They yeah. did that with the wolf in the yellow mask. Yeah. Um, I'm not holding my breath on it, but because no. I don't remember it being referenced again, but it's the Adam Man. <laughs> We'll find that out. Yeah, we'll have, we'll find that out. out uh, Nineteen forty-five episodes. <laughs> Remember that storyline, kids, from five years ago? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Remember the planes at Bridger Field? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> uh, but even given all my complaints about it, and you know the the conveniences and the, the odd bits with the rock slide and, and the confusion over Hamlin, <laughs> I still thought this was an entertaining story. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it on that level. I think this is a story that might work better in another medium. Not that I want to get into the habit of comparing the radio show to, you know, cartoons or whatever, because a character like Superman is more often than not going to work better in a visual medium, whether it's print or animation, but or, or live action even. But I'm just saying that th- there were a number of instances in this particular storyline where I think it would have worked better seeing them rather than just hearing them. Yeah. Like maybe making the Hamlins look different, right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> or or if it was the same one, just seeing it would have helped, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think that was. Conf- I don't know. I think that was just a confusion on the names of the writers. Yeah, which is a problem. <laughs> but yeah, they kind of need to fix that. But yeah. yeah. Then again, if you're a kid that didn't get the chance to listen to every every episode, it probably didn't even notice it. Probably not. Yeah. I didn't notice it listening to it twice. So, <laughs> so you know, I got edit. I I, figured, I found out. Okay, Hamlin's the good guy. Hagen's the bad guy. And I totally missed the first name. So yeah. <laughs> do you so, listen to these like all at one time, or do you I go, spread them out? I go through all at once, so I get the whole story. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to do my synopsis and then not know where one's dropping off and one's picking up and okay. that kind of thing. And then I go back and listen to just my episodes and do the synopsis. And then I go through the whole thing again to, uh, do my notes. Okay. And I just, I just was so, okay. But yeah, I was so, I don't know. It kind of, this one kind of kept me interested. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like I said, it it's was, entertaining on that level. It just has a lot of problems in the story. Yeah. And, and it was just, Somehow I was not picking up on on some of these. I mean, yeah, the rock slide was a little weird and the confusion. I didn't see, like I didn't notice the confusion over Hamlet. I did notice a lot of conveniences. The extra train coming along. The uh, oh hey, there's a out of all the places we're not supposed to be able to land. There's a there's a nice flat spot next to the train track. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, and I didn't like the the thing with Fuller, who we don't see again, do we? After that one episode. Even though he was going to stay around, so this whole business is cleared up. Yeah, I don't think they mentioned him in the last two. Episodes. I don't think he was. I don't think he was part of that little search party. Well, he might have been. He might have been a part of a different search party. Okay. Because there were there were several parties going to several cabins. Right. But, but yeah, he doesn't make a. And we never do get. And we never do get to see the plane come or hear the plane come in. That kind of stunk. Yeah. They Would've the been... Hagen and. Was his name Carl or whatever? See yeah. it coming in, and then Jimmy and Hamlin. See, I did it. 
No, it is Hamlin. Oh, yeah, Hamlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy and Hamlin see it land, but we, the audience, never really see it. What's it going to do there? It would be nice to know some stuff like that. I know what it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is interesting how uh, they have uh, all these like test flights and stuff. You, you can – even though they aren't really, it's almost like they're gearing up for the war or making it sound like the U.S. is gearing up for the war even though we haven't – come close to being part of it yet because this is still may 40 isn't it mm-hmm. may of 1940 but i mean well now i'm confusing that audition one again because i'm thinking well they had the sub now we've got planes but yeah yeah the, the sub the one sub, doesn't count the sub storyline isn't quote unquote mm-hmm. in continuity yeah that doesn't yeah. count yeah so never mind but still <laughs> you know special planes so i like that we saw superman being thrown some different challenges here you know, I mean, I made fun of the the gorilla and the tiger, how they sounded, but you know, we really we really haven't seen Superman fighting animals aside from the dogs that he slapped away. <laughs> and there was a nice bit of detective work with the puzzle solving, which was nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know it's our, our first arc past his introduction, but what do you think of the Jimmy so far? I like it. Uh, he's a little. Uh, he. he... I think it's actually a pretty. It's been pretty good. I've been enjoying seeing Jimmy. He's not annoying yet, right? But um, I think he's going to get there, though. Probably a little bit, maybe. He generally does, but like this one, definitely seemed to be a. Uh, he definitely seemed to be trying to fill without. Uh, he was nicer. He was more of a fan of Clark, but still trying to f- kind of. They put him in the lowest role because as far Jimmy, as getting taken hostage and or. Well, I guess he wasn't really taken hostage. Not really but. taken hostage, but sneaking away to be part of the story. Mm, okay. I don't know that he would have done that, uh, especially since they made it sound like he's been with the paper the whole time so far, and he hadn't done it before. But, right. Okay. Yeah. It's a good point. But yeah. Other than that, I, uh, I like that Clark has someone to talk to in the episodes besides Lois, who mainly just yells at him and then gets abducted even though she can take care of herself. <laughs> yes, yes, she it's, can. It's not quite the Batman and Robin vibe, like from the comics, because Jimmy doesn't know the secret, but I, I still like that there's another voice in there that, you know, helps move, help yeah, move let's, things along. Let's Clark explain things without having to do the voice in the head thing where you right. just sounds like he's crazy talking to himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the last note I had was that... I, I don't know if it's the lower quality that we're into now or if they're still refining it, but I thought the flying effect was less piercing in these episodes. It seemed more Yeah, it definitely smoother, seemed a little more more smoother. It seemed, it seemed smoother. Yeah. Well, you're right, you can't not you're not the one to talk about grammar. But yes. Uh, uh, he's a good talker. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um but yeah, I yeah, I'd like the flying sound effects definitely sound a bit. They, they seem to be using it in weird places sometimes. Uh, I don't know that he would necessarily really fly down the tunnel, but he could. Yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, they kind of seem to be using that flying sound as as not only a flying sound, but as a cue that Clark is going to Superman. Yeah, sometimes, either going to Superman always. or maybe he's moving to su- moving at super speed, maybe. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, that because it kind of sounds like because I could totally see him like just running down there, down there, at super speed. Because we've we've seen him, we or they've used the sound effect before. Like he's supposed to be going downstairs really fast, and he's going right. So, but yeah, it's total. It's actually uh, sounding 
it's less shrill. It it actually yeah. sounds like it's more wind moving than a hairdryer blowing. Right. Yeah. Like it did before. Well, if you're interested in hearing these episodes, you are well, you're not out of luck, but they they've never been released on the box sets because we are out of that period from from the show, but you can find them at a variety of places across the internet, including the Internet Archive. So look around for them, and if you can't find them, drop me an email, and I will point you in the right direction. And you'll be able to listen to them even if they do SOPA, because it's public domain. Maybe. Well, you're supposed to. (laughs) Unless they're hosted on a site that gets taken down for something else. Good point. Yes, that's a good point. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, if if that goes through, this show will probably be over, so... So will mine. All of them will be. Yeah, yeah. But for now, it's kind of killed. So we might be okay. Knock on wood. Knock on yes. Wood. If I had some. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, there's some. Okay. <laughs> That's staying in the show. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Do you enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan and I will be your host. Together we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon... Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. I couldn't believe he was really dead. I didn't know what I could say to you. Yes, child, we know. We know. I was there. I watched him fight that thing. I watched him die. I didn't do anything but watch him die. Lois, Lois, now listen. It's not your fault. You did all you could. Everyone did everything they could. Now you've got to get on with your life. We all have. The battle is over. A hero has fallen. Miss Lane, I monitored Superman when I arrived. I cannot pick up any brain activity at all. As the city mourns, a family comes to grips with the loss of their son. (sighs) I keep coming back here to the North Pasture, to where he first came into our lives, to say goodbye. His fellow heroes feel regret. Oh, if only I could have helped him, Lex. While his enemies see opportunity. Well, now I'm back on top, and you can't do one blessed thing about it. You're dead. You're nothing. Metropolis is mine again, and you are an empty, lifeless, withering husk. 
Worst of all, his true love has to learn to live without him. Goodbye, Kal-El. This January, from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by supermanhomepage.com and supermanpodcastnetwork.com begin their coverage of the second part of the Death and Return of Superman trilogy. Every Thursday, you are invited to join hosts Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor as they explore how his friends, loved ones, bitter enemies, and fellow heroes deal with the loss of the Man of Steel. A city in mourning. A world without Superman. A funeral for a friend. Well, folks, I want to thank everyone for joining us this time. Charlie, thank you very much again, as always. Thank you for having me. Why don't you remind the folks where they can find your your podcast and anything else you got going? My suave voice. Um, Dulcet tones. There you go. <laughs> you can find me in several places. Not really. Um, one, the, the main place that I'm at is Superman in the Bronze Age which covers Superman's adventures in the Bronze Age. I co-host that with J. David Weeder. That's at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com, superbronze1970.libson.com, and I also get episodes posted at excuse me, at supermanhomepage.com and the supermanpodcastnetwork.com and iTunes. And in addition to that, last little bit, I'm a recurring guest on John Wilson's Golden Age show. Uh, Golden Age Superman because Are you cheating on me? <laughs> yes man No uh, I don't talk to, about the radio on his show On his show we're covering some issues Of action comics that were drawn by uh, A guy whose name escapes me at the moment Jack Burnley Jack Burnley, thank you uh, I've been... How is it I know this and you don't? Uh... <laughs> well you know I was thinking about that earlier And I'm like what's his name, what's his name, what's his name And I couldn't think of the name so thank you Um <laughs> But yeah, we've been covering the action comics issues drawn by him because I'm a real fan of his work, and As so John well you said, should be because it's awesome. Yes, he he's for a golden age artist. He does a really awesome. good. I mean, he he definitely is awesome. So yeah, I've been on that for, for a little while. Uh, actually, I've only been on two episodes, but so I'm kind of doing that. But that's just temporary until he finishes his little run on action, and then. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's at goldenagesuperman.libson.com and is also on Superman homepage and supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And then once or twice a week or a month, um, I'm on this show called Thrilling Adventures of Superman with some weirdo named Michael something. And um, was it Boobly? Bubbly? Break? Something break, like that. Brady? Something like that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and we talk about the radio show. And that's at Thrilling Adventures of Superman. No, it's not. <laughs> it's at greatcrypton.com. I get it right on other shows. It's a it's at greatcrypton.com, and then it's also on Superman homepage and Superman Podcast Network. And all these shows are on iTunes, so you can find me in lots of places. Cool. Just to go back to Jack Burnley for a minute, I will be covering the first Jack Burnley illustrated Superman story in episode 58. 
So that's coming up sort of. Yes, two episodes from now. And it's very cool. I've got my notes done for it already. I haven't recorded it yet, but I've got my notes done. It's, it's also a circus. In a, a manner of speaking. Kind it's- of. Anyway, Charlie won't be back here until episode 61, but next mm-hmm. episode will be another of our quarterly fifth week installments. I think I know what the topic will be, but I'm not going to say because I might change my mind and I like surprises anyway. So, uh, But what's not a surprise is that the show's website, greatcrypton.com, which is always there for giving you things like show notes and back episodes, there you'll also find – what's that? And funny pictures. And funny pictures. There you'll also find the iTunes link as well as the RSS feed, which you can use to subscribe to the show. If you are on any of the numerous social media sites, the show is on both Facebook and Twitter, and you'll find links to both of those at the site. You can also send feedback through either site, or you can email me at thrillingadventures at greatcrypton.com. The email box has been a little bit empty lately, so be sure to send in your thoughts on the show, because otherwise I might have to get Charlie a little hat and a crank organ and make him perform on the street for tips and applause. Which... Uh, man, you won't need the organ. It would be very sad. Yes, I, I dance really badly, so that w- we really don't want to do that. So please, people, do it. Anyway, please don't forget the Superman homepage and the Superman Podcast Network, as well as my other show, Green Lantern's Light, all of which are awesome and worth your time to check out. The URLs mm-hmm. should be obvious, but if you can't figure them out, just stop by the site and click the little links. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. So thanks again for listening to the Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. episode 39 they kill superman and next time funeral for a friend dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. and the radio show comes to a swift end <laughs> yep batman and robin make an appearance wonder woman does but she's just a secretary because it's the 40s and that's what they do <laughs> But she gets tied up because that's also what she that's does. That's also what they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>